from one of my favorite Christmas movies. This quote comes. I think you'll recognize it. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Tonight, we worship to remember the true meaning of Christmas, to, to pull our hearts and minds away from the glitz and the glamour and the stores and the, the, uh, the hubbub of all of that, and just to, to come and quiet our souls around the manger of the baby that was born. I was watching the news this week, and uh, they interviewed a pastor in Cleveland, Tennessee, and uh, we're talking, he, he was talking about Christmas Eve services and what they were going to do, and they were going to hold their Christmas Eve services outside. Um, and that's a, quite a cold thing for them to be doing right now, but uh, I applauded them for, for not just having the service or trying to have the service, but what he said, he said, you can't cancel Christmas because Christmas happened 2,000 years ago. And so we are just celebrating what has already happened and um, trying to tap into the beauty and the peace and the joy and the hope of that. Christmas was the crowning jewel of God's plan to save the world. And nothing can cancel that because that plan has been in work for thousands of years and has already come in the birth of Christ. And so it happens every day as we live out uh, that truth. But the prophet Jeremiah looked forward to the day when God would make a new covenant with his people. He said in Jeremiah 31 verses 31 through 34, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves a wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. And then finally, the day came when God announced the good news that the Messiah was born to bring God's salvation. And the story comes to us from Luke 2, verses 8 through 12. That night there were shepherds lying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared among them. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that brings great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And so, 
God made a new covenant with his people. And the sign was a baby born in a manger. A covenant is a, a religious word for us, a word we read about in the Bible, but originally it was simply a, a legal term used by ancient people. It stood for a pledge between two parties. It's something similar to a contract, but it's more of a pledge than an agreement. And it is something that became sacred as we look at how God took the idea of a covenant and used it to develop relationships with broken humanity in a broken world. But a covenant was a sacred pledge between two parties. Sometimes it would be a parity covenant, which was a, an alliance between two equal parties. Um, a covenant between a husband and a wife, where a husband pledges to love and to honor and to cherish and to take care of and provide for his wife and, and to be faithful, and a wife pledges the same to her husband. Or it might be a, a pledge between two neighboring kingdoms. We're going to have an alliance. And the two kings would say to one another, if anybody attacks your kingdom, I will come to your aid. And if anybody attacks my kingdom, you will come to my aid because we are partners and we are equal. But so more often than not, a covenant was made between uh, two unequal parties. So you might have a great empire like Egypt and then you might have a very small kingdom like Israel. And Egypt would say, we're going to make a covenant with you that we're not going to destroy you. <laughs> if you will be faithful to us and if you will pay tribute to us and if you will provide soldiers for our army when we need them and you will fight in our wars when we need you, then we won't kill you. <laughs> that was called a suzerain vassal or a king and a vassal covenant. And of course, the... Uh, the, the lesser person in that covenant would hope that the person with power in the covenant would live up to their agreement, but there's really no way for them to enforce it. If the empire decided to do something different, there's nothing they could do about it. But into this kind of environment, God comes, Yahweh comes, and he says to the people of Israel, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will be faithful to you and I will protect you and I will provide for you. I will fight for you if you will be faithful to me. And so he comes to Moses and he, he says, here are the commandments for my people. Here, are, here is the covenant that they must follow as my people. But I will be faithful. I won't be like Egypt or Persia or the Assyrians, or any of these other powerful kingdoms, I will be faithful. I will take care of you. You will be faithful to me. But here we are on Christmas Eve, and we don't care about all of that ancient history and politics. What we want to think about is a baby born in a manger. What does all of that have to do with this occasion? 
You know, um, when I was a young person, I was never one of those people that wanted to hold the baby. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I remember it seemed like everybody else when, when I was a teenager, they'd bring a new baby into the room and everybody would start fawning over the baby. Can I hold the baby? Can I hold the baby? And, and I was the exact opposite. I was like, I don't want to do, <laughs> I would try to kind of step back into the back of the crowd. I never wanted to hold the baby. I was somewhat afraid of the baby. Mostly I was afraid because this baby was so tiny, so fragile, so vulnerable. And I was afraid I would do something to harm the child or God forbid, even drop the child. That was my biggest fear. So I didn't want to hold the baby. And I, I didn't understand the attraction of wanting to hold this baby. And then as a young man in my early 20s and finding out that my wife was pregnant and was going to have a child, and I was wondering, now what am I going to do? I have never been one who wanted to hold the baby, but now I'm going to have a baby of my own. What am I going to do? But I'll never forget being at Kennestone Hospital in Marietta, Georgia, and my wife giving birth to our firstborn son. And they handed me this baby, just minutes old, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And I took hold of that baby and looked down into its eyes and nothing ever felt more natural and right. And I wasn't afraid, but I looked into that child's eyes and I just knew this was my boy. And I felt this desire to take care of him and to provide for him and to protect him and to nurture him and to help him grow and to be the best person, the happiest person he could ever be. And it, it just was instinctual. I just knew it in my heart. There's a covenant that I think happens between a parent and a child when you hold your child in your arms and you don't need to sign a contract. You don't need to get a lawyer and make an agreement. You just know in your heart, this is your child and your job is to protect and provide and nurture that child. But that's a covenant too. It's a pledge that you make in your heart. And, and I think that even the child, though it doesn't know what it's doing, the child instinctually in their heart knows when they look up into their mother's eyes or their father's eyes, the child knows this is the one I can trust. This is the one who's going to take care of me. This is the one when I'm hurting or I'm hungry or I need my diaper changed or whatever it is, I can cry out and that person will come and will take care of me. And it's amazing how a child, even a child can tell the difference between its mother and father and someone who is not its mother and child. There's a pledge that happens in their heart too, somehow. I don't understand it, it's a mystery, but it's there. And I think about those things, and I think about God, who created the universe, who, who created us, and who in the Old Testament says, I will be your suzerain. 
I will be your king and I will take care of you, but you must be faithful to me. And I think about the God of the Old Testament coming and being born as Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, came as a child, completely vulnerable, looking up into Mary and Joseph's eyes. And I imagine Mary and Joseph, just as I did with my son Gavin, Mary and Joseph holding the baby in their arms and looking into his eyes, and a covenant begins. I will take care of you. I will provide for you. I will nurture you. And they're looking into the eyes of God. And God is looking up into their eyes as well. The Old Covenant in the Old Testament was written on two two stone tablets. It was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. The New Covenant is written in our hearts, as Jeremiah the prophet said. And so the angels come, and they announce to the shepherds, do not fear. We don't have to be afraid of God. He didn't come as the mighty suzerain, the mighty emperor who was coming to bring judgment on his people. He came as a baby. And that speaks volumes. Do not fear. We don't have to be afraid of God. He didn't come to judge us. He didn't come to destroy us. He came to bring something different. Love and hope and peace and joy. And we can know God. This just blows me away. We can know the God of the universe like a mother or a father knows the baby that they're holding in their arms. Now think about that for a minute. The mother or the father, they know their child. They still have a lot to learn (laughs) because they know that their job is to love that child and they know that child is theirs. But it takes a while before they learn that when the child cries this way, it means he's hungry. When he cries that way, it means his diaper needs to be changed. And when he cries a certain way, they don't understand, maybe he's sick. And all of these different things that you have to learn as a parent of a a child, you learn them as you go. And you get better and better at it until one day you find that... uh, a child is a 16, 17, 18-year-old working at Taco Bell <laughs> with people driving past the drive through window and you're praying that she doesn't get COVID. But you know that so much more about that child after those many years. And our relationship with God is somewhat similar. The covenant is written upon our heart, but we have some things to learn as well along the way. But one thing we know, we don't have to be perfect. When we make mistakes, he forgives, he offers grace, he still loves us. And he came to save us from ourselves and from our selfishness and to lead us into something better. 
And even though Christ is not on the earth in human form as he was 2,000 years ago, he's not left us alone. For he said, if you trust me, if you pledge to follow me in this new covenant, then I will send my Holy Spirit to take residence in your own heart. He will live with you and he will guide you and he will show you the right way if you are willing to follow. And so we get to celebrate this wonderful, joyous thing that God has done for us. In Jesus Christ, God became flesh and was born as a baby in a manger. Covenants were sealed by sacred ceremonies. The most sacred covenants were sealed by blood. The old covenant was sealed by the sacrifice of a Passover lamb. As the Israelites were still slaves in Egypt, God said, take a lamb, sacrifice it, and smear its blood over the door frames of your home so that when the angel of death comes through that night, it will pass over your homes, anyone who is covered by the blood. The new covenant was sealed by the blood of Christ, God's only begotten Son on the cross. Holy Communion is the sacred ceremony by which Christians remember Christ's blood that seals the new covenant between God and humanity. And so as we share Holy Communion tonight, we remember the new covenant that God has made with us. And I invite you all to accept it and to live it from this day forward. For on the night when Christ was arrested and gave himself up for us, he shared one last meal with his disciples. And he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat from this. This is my body given for you. Likewise, after the meal, he took the cup and he raised it to heaven and he asked the Lord to bless it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, take this and drink all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Gracious Father, we thank you for the gift of your son Christ and for his bread and for his blood, a sign and the seal of the new covenant. Lord God, what a precious gift you have given us. And so we remember your love and the hope that we have and we seek the strength and nourishment we need to live in peace, full of joy, in this life and in the life to come. And so we ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit on this bread and on this wine and on us gathered here, that this bread and wine might be the body and blood of Christ and that we might be the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Infant, holy, 
Christ the babe. 